Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. Here on Searchlight, we are looking at the farewell address of Joshua. This is a man who has walked with God for many years and has seen God's faithfulness. At 110 years old, Joshua knows his time is nearly up on this earth. So he gathers the elders of Israel together and recounts for them God's goodness and faithfulness. And then, as a loving shepherd, Joshua also warns them about the dangers of turning away from the Lord. The first thing that Joshua tells them is that it is a real possibility that they could choose to do this. As we join John today in chapter 23, Joshua then goes on to tell of the problems of turning back from the Lord. With the exhortation from Joshua and the application for us, here now is Pastor John. And Joshua here is telling these leaders, the elders, men of maturity, this is what's going to happen. You've seen God bless you. You know how good he's been to you. But If you choose to go back, this is what's going to happen to you. What will happen? Well, after discussing the possibility of going back, he talks about the problems with going back. Defeat, verse 13. Know for a certainty, the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. You're going to be defeated. And not only defeated, but you're going to be discomforted. These enemies, verse 13, shall be scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. You're going to have defeat and you're going to have discomfort. Listen, if I decide, if you decide, if we decide to backslide, know this. It is going to be painful, big time. It will be like thorns in your eyes and scourges in your sides. I can't help but think of the one who knew no sin, who became sin for us. Thorns. There in his eyes, the crown of thorns going around his head. Scourges on his back and on his sides. And and the spear thrust through his side. And, And we see, when we look at Jesus... On the cross, that's what sin does. It wasn't his sin, it was mine. It's what sin, it's what backsliding, it's what disobedience will do. Can I ask you honestly, are you contemplating backsliding? Some in here are. You're flirting with the idea. You're already kind of looking around and saying, hmm, this might be an option for me. 
Maybe I can pull back or go back or go there. Whatever the case might be, know this. What you see, what we see happening to Jesus on the cross is going to happen to you. It's going to crucify you. And Joshua, Jesus, if you would, loves me and loves you and loves us enough to say, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off the land. And I think of Jesus, thorns in his eyes and scourges in his sides as he was raised off the land and he was suspended on the cross. And I realize that's what's going to happen and that's what does happen. It's very ugly. John, we know that. I know you know it. But I need to be reminded of this tonight. And so do you. Because this is in the word. Talking to mature people like you. Saying, this is what's going to happen. Defeat, discomfort, and disgrace. Verse 16, the third thing that we see will happen to those that choose to turn away, to go back, that they shall be taken off the good land. Verse 16, last phrase says, which he has given to you. And they were disgraced in that way. Taken out of the land. When? 722 B.C., when they turned away from the Lord and worshipped other gods, the Assyrians came and took off their clothes, not the Assyrians' clothing, the people of Israel. They were forced to be naked, disgraced, with, jaw, with hooks in their jaws, literally fish hooks in their jaws. The Assyrians cruelly tied one person to the next in long lines with hooks in their jaws, just like the prophets said would happen. And they were marched nakedly with hooks in their jaws through the desert back up to Assyria, the ten tribes in 722, disgraced. Later on in 586, the Babylonians came down and dealt with the tribe of Judah and, and, and burned the temple and destroyed the city and carried those Jews down in Judah away into captivity. Later on in 165 B.C., the madman, Antiochus Epiphanes, makes his way and, and disgraces the people, humiliates them, going so far to make a long story short of taking a pig and slaughtering the pig, an unclean animal, in the Jewish temple and smearing pig blood in the Holy of Holies. Disgrace. And the Romans in A.D. 70 destroyed the second temple, the city was burned with fire. And the Jews were told by Hadrian in 130 AD, Hadrian said, if any two Jews are talking together in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem, they will be executed. And on and on it goes into Europe. During the time of the Black Plagues, the Jews were blamed for the Black Plague because they weren't being infected at the same rate as other Europeans were. Why? Because they were following kosher laws the rules of Moses, and they were kept healthy because of that. But they didn't understand that was why. The Europeans said, you guys are not getting sick like we are because you're the devil. 
The Inquisition there in Spain, many of you know the story, the the, the racks, the stretching, the burning, the torturing of Jews by the tens of thousands in Spain during the Spanish Inquisition, going on and on until finally you come to Auschwitz and Treblinka, the Holocaust of Nazi Germany. Disgrace. Joshua says, if you choose to go back and serve other gods, this is what you can count on. Defeat discomfort, and disgrace. It applies to me, to you tonight. What can we do? Three things I want you to jot down or be aware of or think through. Three things here. First of all, in this text, here's what I can do to keep from being defeated and discomforted and disgraced. Verse 6, obedience to the word Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Obedience to the word. Make sure that you are in the word. I don't care if you're 110. Listen to me. The priority of your life, if you do not want to be disgraced and discomforted and defeated, you've got to be, I've got to be, Keeping in the word constantly. That's got to be the priority of your life. You're saying, John, you're preaching. You bet. Because it's not about me having you sit here tonight. It's about you doing well all the days of your life. Keep in the word. Satan will say, you're too old. You're tired. The music's too loud. The seats are too hard. John talks too long. Those things all may be true. At least one of them is, that's for sure. Then do whatever you have to do, but find somewhere where you can be consistently taught in the Word and say, I'm I'm locking into this until the day I go into the grave, I'm going to be keeping the Word. Because even at 115, I can be vulnerable to going back where I ought not to go back to. First of all, he says, keep in the word. Be courageous. Keep the word. Stay there. Number two, not only obedience to the word, but separation from the world. Verse seven, don't hang around those nations. Don't mention their gods. Don't be aware of the names of their gods. Don't become experts in those gods. Don't go to the hall where the demons are dancing. Paul the Apostle says, concerning evil, you ought to be naive. It is not a good thing to say, yeah, I know all the latest stuff about the latest R-rated movies and all the rap songs and all the rest. You know, you ought to be naive about that. See? Don't even mention their gods. Don't go there. Be obedient to the word. Be separated from the world, you see. Be as far from that stuff as you can be. The word of God says to you, Paul exhorts you and me, concerning evil, be naive, is the literal rendering. Be ignorant. Be naive. Don't be one that's up on the latest stuff. That's nothing to be proud of. We should be happy if we're not up on the latest stuff. If you can say with a lot of us tonight, you know, we haven't even really seen 
the, 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 the hot TV shows. Good for you. The new shows are coming out. They've already announced their schedule for the fall season. They call it the fall season for a reason. You know, I don't, I'm, I, you don't need, don't go down those roads. You know, and I'm not trying to pick on your favorite TV show. I'm just saying, <laughs> you, you don't need to do that stuff. You know, you just can say, I'm not going to mention their gods. I'm not going to go down those roads, you see. That, that's the wisest way to be, for sure. So, keep in the word, obedience to the word, separation from the world. Number three, and this is a real key. Affection for the Lord. Verse 11. Take good heed that you love the Lord your God. Love God. How do you love God? How do you do that? Spend time with him. It's real simple. If you spend time with the Lord tomorrow morning, and you start your day or spend time during the day with the Lord, you will become intrigued by him, infatuated with him. You'll experience a real intimacy in him. It's about time. It really is. I have concluded in my own walk, in my own understanding of the Lord, it really boils down to that. It's about time. It's all about time. Logging in time in the presence of the Lord. If you spend five minutes every third day with your wife, what kind of marriage will you have? If you spend ten minutes every fifth day with your girlfriend or boyfriend, if you're dating somebody here today, what kind of relationship will you have? Relationships are fostered through spending significant time with that significant other to really spending time. Again, I'm not talking about a legalistic, pharisaical kind of scheduling. I'm talking about saying, you know, I have a half hour open here or 20 minutes or an hour and a half. I don't need to necessarily watch that show or do that thing maybe I'll just go for a walk with my Bible and talk to my lover and when I do when you do it's amazing what happens you fall in love with him I absolutely know this to be so the way to love God is to spend time with him because he's lovely. The things he'll whisper in your ear, the things he'll speak into your heart, the way the word will come alive, it's an amazing thing. Take time. Love God. Those are the ways to keep from backsliding, which would bring you disgrace. Very quickly, a couple of comments in chapter 24. We're going to race through. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Now he gathers the whole nation. He gathers everybody. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to the people, verse 2, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood, that is the Euphrates River. Your fathers, your ancestors, before Abraham and Terah, his dad, 
left Ur of the Chaldees to begin to come to a new land and become a new nation. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor. They served other gods. They served the moon god. Actually, Allah. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed. And I gave him Isaac. And I gave to Isaac Jacob and Esau. I gave to Esau. Mount Seir to possess it, but to Jacob and his children, they went down to Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. Afterwards, I brought you out. I brought you, verse 6, out from Egypt. You came to the Red Sea. The Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen. When they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and he brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you have dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, remember Balak, the guy that hired Balaam, the guy with the donkey, the talking donkey, you know the story. Balak arose and warred against Israel and called for Balaam to curse you. But I would not, the Lord says, verse 10, hearken to Balaam. So he blessed you. (laughs) I delivered you out of his hand. You went over Jericho, or over Jordan, pardon me, and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. I delivered them into your hand. Verse 12, and I sent the hornet before you, the Lord says, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. In other words, I I protected you from a mad prophet, Balaam, that wanted to curse you. I sent hornets before you to clean out the enemy that you wouldn't have to even battle them with your own sword or bow that day. The Lord would say, I've done these things for you. I rescued you from Egypt. I called your fathers from the land of the Chaldees on the other side of the river, the flood. I've blessed you. I've blessed you. I've blessed you. And now, he says, I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, vineyards and olive yards which you planted not. Do you now eat from? I've blessed you. You didn't deserve it or really do anything for it. I just blessed you. I was in the Hamptons last week in New York. Fanciest place I've ever been in my life. Back there I was sharing at a prophecy retreat. And uh, we were staying at a home there. Tammy and I were staying at a house there at Bridgehampton. The houses there make the fancy houses here in East Medford or Jacksonville. The hills look like dumps. I mean, these houses are one room, one house that we were close to had 64 bedrooms. And uh, they're on huge acreage. And, you know, it's, it's Barbara Streisand and Billy Joel and all those people have their house in the Hamptons. And I've read about that over the years, but I've never really been there. And just the, the, the wealth and the opulence and all of that is something I've never personally seen in that kind of way before. And I was there walking along a little boardwalk area and looking out at the beach on one side there in the Hamptons, Long Island, and 
up at all these houses on the other side that were massive. I mean, just massive homes. I mean, I can't explain to you how big they are. And, you know, I was thinking, Lord, you are so awesome. You have given these people homes like that. And they don't even, probably most of them, know you and don't realize it's from you, but every good and perfect gift comes from your hand. And you've just blessed them. And and they don't even necessarily acknowledge it and don't understand that it's from you. But you just bless everybody. You just let your blessings flow upon the just and the unjust. And you bless me, Lord, because I've got a wonderful home in Jacksonville. And I've got a beautiful bride. And I've got healthy kids that love God. And I've got got a huge mansion on a mountaintop with servants' quarters all around. (laughs) And... uh, You know. But you know, I, I was really praising God. I was really worshiping the Lord in my own heart, you know, with, with words and all the rest, because Lord, you're just good to people, people that don't even care or understand, but you just are good to everybody in, in, in one way or another. It's just awesome, Lord, how generous you are. And for those folks that in those wonderful homes that never do open their heart to you, that's that's all they're going to have. So let them have the 64 rooms and the manicured acres and the duck ponds and the servants and all the rest because, because those things are going to make, well, where we're going is going to make that look like a dump in comparison. See, we're, we're going somewhere grand. So more than saying, well, how come this guy has all that? And how come these folks have all those things? Just to say, Lord, you bless people, and that's wonderful. And you blessed me, and the best blessings are yet to come. And that's what he's saying here. I've given you a land that you didn't labor for, verse 13, and cities that you didn't build to dwell in, and olive yards and vineyards, which you didn't plant. It's not your work. You didn't do it. You just get to come and enjoy and glean from and be blessed by, see. So, in light of that, verse 14 Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, well, then choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua says. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell, but as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. If you weren't here on Sunday, get that tape. If you're a man, I dare you. You need to. Every male needs to get that tape. Every male in this congregation needs to go through that study on Sunday. And I say that emphatically because it's important. It's really important. Joshua at 110, a man's man, says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Important stuff. Please do get the tape or go online and get it free, but get it somehow. It's important, you see. We recently aired that teaching here on Searchlight. If you missed it, you can listen to it from the Searchlight website. The teaching is called, As for Me and My House. 
And as Pastor John said, it's an important teaching, especially for men. Please join us for our next program as we finish our verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua. We'll see you then. This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. That's J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. Pastor John has often encouraged us to spend time each day contemplating the Word of God. One great way to do this is with a daily devotional. Pastor John has put together three daily devotionals that cover the entire Bible. A Pillar by Day and A Day of Feasting are taken from the Old Testament. A Day's Journey is a devotional from the New Testament. Each daily devotional has 365 short meditations and are presented in John's insightful and practical style. You may order each daily devotional from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.